Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome to Trending. It's so great to be with you. you know, last week, we did this whole episode with Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri on the topic of manhood. And whether you love or hate the guy, it's always fascinating to hear the responses. We didn't have him on because he's a politician. We had him on because of the book that he wrote that was fantastic, laying out from an anthropological, biblical, philosophical perspective, because there's no other way to do anthropology, what it means to be a man. And one of the questions, actually, multiple times I received last week was, well, what does it mean to be a woman? And one person in particular reached out to me saying, what does it be to mean to be a woman? After your episode dropped the other day, I ended up Googling over and over again. And there was no blog, article, or podcast that actually answered that question. It was just peppered with women's empowerment type of speak and language, and it didn't answer my question. And I've heard from multiple people over the last past week on this specific topic. People who said, I didn't see what it meant to be a woman in my home with a confusion between the sexes, the women's empowerment message. There's a big question mark with regard to what it means to be a woman. And I think the question is, what's the blueprint? Who's a role model? I just spent a while earlier today googling that exact question what does it mean to be a woman and most of the responses have to do with everything from the gender debate to much more than that i think everything surrounding what it means to be a woman is marred by the gender debate with two sides some people saying there's such thing as trans women and then the other side saying no women are biological women that doesn't answer what it means or how we are to live out womanhood I think the last 60 years with the really kind of waves, especially starting second wave feminism, of the sexual revolution, we've seen feminists focused on freedom from the shackles of fertility. And we've seen that's not gone very well. There's been a massive fallout, whether you agree with it or not, the data's there, of the medical fallout of women trying to really like neuter essentially like literally render their bodies sterile with the inability to bear children uh, psychologically it's not posed very well for women and female happiness across the board has declined because we're trying to be men we're trying to neuter we're trying to spade our bodies so we're leading ourselves to forced equality via this idea of sameness but we're different as men and women Women have been trying to prove a point with the last 60 years of the sexual revolution uh, with everything from pantsuits to the whole idea that we don't need need men. And now we're saying we also don't need women because there's no such thing as a woman. We don't know what it means to be a woman. We're saying that a man can be a woman. And I think that a lot of women are trying to leave their mark, their stamp on society. They're trying to make a change, break the glass ceiling, make the world a better place for women, but at the same time erasing what it means to be a woman. All of this, I really do believe, is a search for what it means to be a woman. 
in it's getting at something, whether it's the attempt to liberate yourself from fertility, whether it's this idea of, well, does equality make me more of a woman or even attempts via pantsuits or the no man mentality or breaking those glass ceilings. All of it is trying to discover what does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to champion being a woman? Well, it's not that we aren't nothing. That is, it's not that we can be anything, male, female, whatever you want to call yourself. Uh, being a woman is not saying that I am all these imperfections. It's not saying I'm just a sack of body parts to be used and abused. It, being a woman isn't my own self-doubt or self-loathing or any other list of knots or insecurities. The world today says that this is what you aren't, and I think that's the problem is we say, well, that isn't what it means to be a woman. To be pregnant doesn't mean what it is to be a woman. To be a wife isn't what it means to be a woman. And there are faults and problems with all of this. The world also wants to say that motherhood, being a wife, a virgin, even a pious religious woman, to be gentle, meek, humble, or even to be pregnant, the world says that is not what it means to be a woman. That's what society, our current culture says. But all of this in a certain respect encompasses what we should really embody when it comes to our womanhood. Those things that I just mentioned, being a wife, a mother, even being pregnant, a virgin, a gentle, meek, humble, all those encompass what life should look like, a life of sacrifice, and the virtues that we should embody. And we're going to talk about this more in the days to come, and we'll talk about it today on the show as we define what it means to be a woman. I want to answer that question from an anthropological perspective. And if you answer something from the perspective of anthropology and you leave out theology, we get the question wrong. We get the answer wrong. Because we can only dive into human anthropology and the anthropology specifically of women if we look at it from a biblical worldview. Because historically, the world has centered on a biblical worldview. Even the way we write and look at the date centers around a biblical worldview, pre and post-Christ. I digress. Much more could be said on the topic, but I think that's an important and fundamental perspective that time itself, the way we label it as humans, whether you're Christian or not, is centered around the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and that intervention in human history. Everything that built up to the coming of Christ and everything that happened after the coming of Christ. And so to look at our human anthropology as women and answer that question, what does it mean to be a woman? We have to start at the very beginning, and that is in the first few chapters of Genesis. Now, whether you're Christian or not, the Bible is one of our earliest written texts, and it is something that has been handed down generation after generation. We as people of faith believe that it's the inspired word of God that humans were inspired by the Holy Spirit and that it has not just a human origin, but ultimately a divine origin. And so this is, that is the Bible, the blueprint for what it means to be a woman. And in my undergraduate work and graduate work, much of what I worked on, especially when I was working on exegetical biblical theology, was diving into this specific topic in the light of feminism. What does it mean to be a woman? How do we respond to all of the crises of the culture in a so-called woke culture that says you've evolved as a woman. You don't have to be uh, 
tied down, bound by the fertility. Release the shackles. Be equal. But what does the Bible say about being a woman? Here's what's fascinating. Who's the first woman, according to sacred scripture? Eve. And if we read about the creation and fall of the first humans, Adam and Eve, we dive into those first few chapters, Genesis chapters one through three. If you want to know what it means to be a woman, start there. Start reading right there because it's very important. And so we're going to unpack this today on Trending. And if you have a question or if you'd like to share for you what it means to be a woman, the number is 888-914-9149. I'd love to hear from you. So let's start with Genesis. If we dive into Genesis and we look at the creation of Adam and Eve, we actually understand that Eve, her name in Hebrew and what it means in sacred scripture, and we actually have this right now, is that Eve's name means to be the mother of all the living. The Hebrew, Shavahavah, is to breathe, to live, to give life. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 2, it's said that the man called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all the living. And if we Go back just a couple chapters to Genesis chapter 1 where God created Adam and Eve at the same time because God tells the creation story two times in two different ways to help us understand our human anthropology, to help us understand our equality and being created male and female at the same time before God in Genesis chapter 1, and then to see the sequential creation in Genesis chapter 2 of man and then woman and the complementarity between the two. So much could be said here. But Genesis chapter 1 When we read the creation of Adam and Eve at the same time, this is the mission of Adam and Eve. It's a joint mission, but let's look at it from the perspective of the woman. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 says, God blessed them, that is Adam and Eve, and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over, he goes on to say, every living thing that moves upon the earth. Dominion, not domination, dominion. And I just pause for a moment there because I think we live in a third way feminist society that says to be a woman means to dominate, to be the dominator of society, to be the dominator of men, to be the dominator of your career, the dominator of all things that we must conquer as women to break the glass ceiling. But we're called to have dominion, not domination. So what do these different things mean? God blessed them, as we read, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. So what does that mean? Let your life come to something. Bear fruit. Fruitfulness in the human being is twofold. To do what is good, to be virtuous, to cultivate in the world, but also he says, and multiply. Be fruitful, multiply. So have children. That's part of our role and mission as women and men. But as women, we're looking from that perspective. And then he says in the mission, and fill the earth. So fill the earth with what you cultivate. That is in creating human beings, co-creating human beings, and what you cultivate in the life you live and those things that you subdue. That's the next mission of the woman, to subdue the earth. What does subdue mean? The Hebrew word, if we look into the root meaning of subdue, in Hebrew that means to bring into subjection. Scott Hahn in the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, when talking about bringing things into submission, this word subdue, it says this is not a license to abuse creation, but it is called to harness its potential for good. We are called to subdue the earth, not to abuse creation, but it's a call to harness the world's potential for good. 
How do we do that? By creating, cultivating, being good stewards. And as we saw, Adam named his wife, gave her the name Eve, because she is the mother of all the living. And I was really pondering that over the last couple of days preparing for today's show. What does it mean to be the mother of all the living? Well, he named her that before she ever even bore children, to our knowledge, if we follow the biblical narrative sequentially. She had potency within her to be the mother of all the living. What does all of that potency mean? That means she had potential, biological potential, because the reality is we have a biological reality to our bodies. A biological reality that as women, our bodies function cyclically month to month as women And our health, actually, if you didn't know this, is indicated in many ways based on how our body functions cyclically, if those cycles month to month are working properly. And all of that is actually understood according to our ability to be fertile, our ability to ovulate. And not all women, although we are all created with this potential, not all women will cultivate the biological reality of motherhood. Although God inspired, I think God inspires some people to live consecrated virgin lives. Um, God inspires and calls some women to be biological mothers. But there's also the real challenge and sorrowful dysfunction of the cross of infertility. And I called it dysfunction, not saying that you're wrong. But the reality is, is that God created us for this potential to bear and carry children. And so when infertility occurs, when there's a struggle with fertility, there's something that has gone wrong along the way. And it is a true cross. It's a suffering of a dysfunction. It's a loss of motherhood to be mourned. There's a reality. And even for those who choose not to have children, not via everything from contraception to abortion, but those who choose, let's say, consecrated life or maybe never meet someone and never get married. Uh, They mourn, women mourn their lost motherhood. Women mourn the lack of children they have when they don't have as many as they would have liked because they've fallen prey to the feminist movement that says to be a woman is to be liberated and you do you on your time. And if you want children later on, you can do that. But that's not true. Look at third-party reproductive technology, surrogacy, IVF, all of this. It's a mess. It's terrible for our bodies. I've been talking about this all week, and I hope you listen to the show yesterday. I'll post a link on social media and in the episode's notes as well where I talk about the problems with surrogacy. But the bottom line is this. If Eve's name means to be the mother of all the living, if Eve's name, Shavahava, means to breathe, to live, to give life in Hebrew, that is all about potential. And again, not all women will be mothers, but there's this potency within us. Now, before Eve even bore children, she was still called mother of all the living. This was the name Adam gave her. She lived in the garden, but she fell. We know the fall of Adam and Eve, our first father and mother, is that we too, in understanding the fall, we too all fall and we fall daily, myself included. But the mission is still there from the first Eve. From the moment of creation, God gave that mission. He blessed them. He called them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it to have dominion, not domination, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And so how is that mission lived out? How is even the name of Eve lived out and understood? Well, we can understand it from the perspective of the first woman and that she was mother of all the living. But how do we understand that in the perfection of what it means to be a woman? How was it lived out? 
The mission is given first to Eve, but it's taken up by all of us women. And it's taken up in a particular way by the Blessed Virgin Mary, the new Eve. And we're going to get into what that mission looks like by setting side by side Eve and the Blessed Virgin Mary, who biblically, theologically, philosophically, we've always referred to as the new Eve. Why? Well, coming up right here on Trending in just a moment, we're going to talk about the mission of women, what it means to be a woman in light of Eve and in light of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And we'll talk about the practical but what that calling is, what the blueprint is for women. I'll be right back here on Trending. If you have a question, the number is 888-914-9149. Join the conversation. Let me know what it means to you to be a woman. Listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. What does it be? What does it mean to be a woman? That is a question of the hour that we are unpacking today on Trending. And we're talking from a theological perspective that is really steeped in our human anthropology, especially as women, that we can't look at anthropology as women without looking from a religious perspective. All of time, our dating centers around the coming of Christ, everything leading up to it, and post-coming of Christ. And so when we're talking about Uh, What it means to be a woman, we're looking at it from the perspective of the first woman, that is Eve, whose name means to be mother of all the living, and how this means she has potential within her, and that potency centers around the mission that God gives to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it, not domination, that's what we tend to think as feminist women today, and to have dominion over every living thing that moves upon the earth. What does that mean? To create, to cultivate, to have stewardship. But what we also understand in Catholic theology is that Mary is the new Eve. So if Eve had the name to be mother of all the living, and Mary is considered the new Eve, what was Mary from the beginning? Well, she was a woman, but she also wasn't pregnant from the beginning of her life. Mary lived a life prior to the conception, the incarnation of Christ. In Luke chapter 1, verse 28, we read that initial annunciation story where the angel Gabriel comes to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Have you ever pondered the greeting of the angel to Our Lady and looked at this from a biblical perspective? Diving into the interpretation of this, the angel Gabriel says this to Mary, and we tend to overlook it because we pray all our Hail Marys as Catholics that are biblical. The words are this of the angel Gabriel. Hail Mary, or sorry, not even Hail Mary. The words are this, Hail full of grace, the Lord is with you. Those are the words. It's not Hail Mary. The biblical words are Hail full of grace, the Lord is with you. What does Hail mean? It means rejoice. That's part of, by the way, our mission as women as well. We're going to talk about joy a little later on as part of the mission as women. So the first message of the messenger of God, the angel Gabriel to the Blessed Virgin Mary That woman who we are meant to look at as the model of what it means to be a woman is to rejoice. Again, we'll talk about that more later. Mary is the embodiment of faith. Why is she called full of grace? She's not even called by her name. 
She's predisposed to God. She has potency within her. And because she's predisposed to God, she's available to hear, receive, and live out the mission that God is about to send her through the angel Gabriel. So when the angel doesn't call her by name in Luke chapter one, he says, full of grace. This is the only time in all of sacred scripture. Let me make that clear. This is the only time in all of sacred scripture when a person is addressed not by their particular personal name, but instead by a title. Mary is addressed by the title, by an adjective, full of grace. This description of what she is, who she is. Full of grace, if we look at some of the interpretation of St. Jerome, who was the first person to interpret the Bible from the Greek. And when he looked at that, from the Greek into the Latin, when he looked at that word, full of grace, when he made his commentary on that naming of Our Lady and that title of Our Lady is full of grace, he referred to it as graced. In other words, that meant that Our Lady was already graced by God. She was full of God's life. That's what it means to be full of grace, to be full of God's grace. She's full of the divine life. Now, Mary, why is this? Because Mary's already living to her fullest potential as a woman. She hasn't even conceived the Christ child within her womb. She has already taken up the mission of the first woman, that is Eve, who's known as the mother of all the living. And what was one of the missions that God gave Eve at the very beginning of sacred scripture, the beginning of the Bible? To subdue. To bring into, that means to bring into subjection. What Eve was meant to do is what Mary herself does, even prior to the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Mary brought into subjection herself before the creator. She was already predisposed to know, love, and adore God. And this is why she was so receptive to the message of the angel Gabriel. This is why she was able to give her yes, her fiat, those words in Latin that we repeat in the Angelus, fiat mihi secundum verbum tuum, be it done to me according to thy word, God. This is why I'll talk a little later about why it's so important as women to pray the Angelus daily to say those words of Our Lady, to honor the presence of Christ in the world and in our own bodies, that potential within us. Our Lady, before the incarnation, was already practicing the mission of Eve, the first woman in herself, bringing herself into subjection before the Creator. How did she do this? Through her faithfulness to God. She was predisposed to God and therefore she was predisposed to receive Christ in her womb. Now, if we connect this again to the mission of the first woman, what does it mean to be a woman? Well, Eve was the mother of all the living. Mary's the new Eve. That means that life with God is what we need to live out. The life of God was severed in Genesis chapter 3 by Eve, but Mary embodies the mission of living life with God, of subduing herself before the Creator, of bringing herself into subjection. She subdues herself. She becomes fruitful, not even already yet in her motherhood. She becomes fruitful in her actions and in her virtues. She's already multiplying the grace of Christ within the world by her predisposition to God. She's filling the earth with the grace of Christ, first within herself and then in her relationships with others. We see this, for example, and as soon as 
she receives that great gift of our Lord Jesus Christ in our room, what's her first action? It's to go and practice that grace-filled life and caring for her cousin Elizabeth in her old age as she's pregnant with John the Baptist. She's having dominion over herself and cultivating the world, over every living thing. That dominion is not domination. It's a grace-filled life. She is the perfection of womanhood before she becomes the mother of God. Think about that. Our Lady was already the perfection of motherhood before she became the mother of God. She, before becoming the mother of God, in the greeting of the Archangel Gabriel in Luke chapter 1, she is not called Mary, she is called full of grace. As St. Jerome says, grace, that early church father. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, if you read just a few paragraphs, I highly recommend it. We'll post the link, or actually we'll post those paragraphs in the episode notes for today's show. But paragraphs chapter 9, paragraphs 1996 through 2000 in the Catechism of the Catholic Church say quite a bit about grace. It says grace is participation in the life of God. I'll say that again. Grace is participation in the life of God. Mary had this before she even gave her fiat, before she even gave her consent to carrying Christ in her womb. Mary already brought herself again into subjection. She subdued herself to the creator. And she has the life of God within her, which is why she's able to say yes to the life of Jesus Christ within her. She's already cultivated within herself the Trinitarian life of life-giving, self-giving love, of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ before the gift of Christ has even been given to the world in time and space. This is the mission of a woman. This is what it means to be a woman. You will discover what it means to be a woman if you cultivate within yourself the life of God, if you predispose yourself to a grace-filled life. That means subduing as the first mission of Eve was within yourself, your passions, emotions, desires, needs, fears, joys, sorrows, wants, everything you are, everything you struggle with, you subdue it. You subject it to God. Eve and then Mary, remembering that the name Eve itself, as Adam calls her, means to be the mother of all the living, is seen in Mary herself. Mary, who's called the Ark of the New Covenant. Why? Because Mary is the Christ bearer and the Ark was what housed the presence of God prior to the coming of Christ in the Old Testament. That was the Ark of the Covenant. That was the holiest place. The Holy of Holies is what housed the Ark of the Covenant within the context of worship, within the context of the physical location of the temple. Mary already had the life of God in her by grace. This is why she's called full of grace. Now, St. Paul in the second letter to the Corinthians chapter 5 says this with regard to grace. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. We too can be like Mary through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mary is only able to be who she is, to do what she does as a woman, because she responds to the life of grace within her. Yes, we could talk about the fact that she was born without original sin. We could talk about the fact that she was assumed into heaven and crowned the queen of heaven and earth. 
And some people might say, well, Our Lady is not relatable because of that. That's totally false. Our Lady was predisposed to receive the grace of Christ. Yes, the only reason why she was predisposed to receive the grace of Christ was because God gave her grace to begin with, but that's what he's offering to all of us. That's why St. Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. All our faults, all our failings in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are a new creation. All of this, St. Paul says, comes from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So what does it mean to be a woman? That means to cultivate union with God, the life of God within yourself and within others. St. Edith Stein, a great saint also known because she became a religious sister after conversion from being a Jew during World War II to being an atheist, agnostic, to eventually becoming a Catholic of all things. She died in Auschwitz during World War II. And paraphrasing her words, uh, she refers to a woman who she is meant to have other people. A woman's soul, she says, is fashioned in a way in which other souls are meant to unfold. That is, a woman has a potential for life. That's what we've been talking about. And she can physically, biologically grow and nourish and cultivate life within her body and even outside of her body through her physical capacity to nourish with milk, but also her capacity to care. But it's also our mission across the board to cultivate Christ, the life of Christ in the world. Again, Our Lady was full of grace. Our Lady was the new Eve, the mother of all the living, because she was living that grace-filled life before she even consented to Christ because she had grace within her. The Catechism of the Catholic Church in paragraph 2000 says this about sanctifying grace. It says, sanctifying grace is a habitual gift. Sanctifying grace is a habitual gift, a stable and supernatural disposition that perfects the soul itself to enable it to live with God, to act by his love. This is what Our Lady had. She had sanctifying grace that, as the Catechism of the Catholic Church says, is a supernatural disposition that perfects the soul itself. This is why baptism is so important. This is why, as a mother, my responsibility, even when I may have been tired and not ready and desiring to go out in such a way, was to baptize my child. Not me baptizing my child, but giving my child up to the church to give her the sanctifying grace. And this is why it's our responsibility to cultivate, to preserve within the baptized, ourselves and others, that sanctifying grace. This is why it's a sin to leave, lead another person into sin to cause scandal that might confuse people with regard to what the blueprint for the human person is. How do you live that out? How do you live that mission out here on earth? That is a fundamental question that we have to be willing to answer, to unpack. What does it mean to be a woman? Well, again, the mission of Eve is a mission lived out by our Blessed Virgin Mary. We've been talking about this all hour, so I really hope that you'll listen to this episode in its totality because we're building upon these ideas that our human anthropology is seen and understood from a biblical religious worldview. And that in Genesis chapter 1, the mission of Eve, the first woman, was to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it, to have dominion, not domination, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. That goes against 
against the radical feminist movement we hear today. That's why if you Google what does it mean to be a woman, well, it's going to say this whole debate about gender and how some people think that uh, biological women are women and some people think trans women are women. Well, there's a different story and we need to set the record straight. There's an effort in today's culture to erase what it means to be a human being, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. Because if we look at the reality of what those things are, not just from biology, but from human anthropology, from psychology, from science, all of it, and our failures and in our successes as human beings and our excellence points back to God. So what does it mean to be a woman? How do we live out that mission? How do we live out Our Lady in her embodiment of the mission of Eve? Our Lady being full of grace. How do we become full of grace as well? It's done prayerfully as Our Lady. The tradition holds that when the angel Gabriel came to the Blessed Virgin Mary, that Our Lady was already in a state of prayer, likely praying the Psalms of the Old Testament written by David. Pray the Psalms. No sacred scripture. It was done through Mary who lived out a contemplative life. If you read throughout sacred scripture, when these different challenging moments occur in the New Testament, in the Gospels, we read over and over again that Mary pondered these things in her heart. She pondered what it meant when she lost Jesus and found him in the temple and he gave her a correction saying, I'm in my father's house. Why were you worried about me? She ponders this when at the beginning of the Christ child's life, when she presents him in the temple, she's told by Simeon that his sword will strike her heart and that he, that is Jesus Christ, will be the fall and rise of the world. She ponders, she carries, that is she lives a contemplative life. What does it mean to be contemplative? It means to live in a state of prayer. That doesn't mean to pray Hail Marys 24-7, but that we're uniting our moment-to-moment interactions as women with God. This is so important. I'm going to tell you how that's done. It's done by starting your day on your knees in prayer. Ending your day on your knees in prayer. Starting your day by invoking God, turning to him in gratitude and humility, asking him to help you through your struggles, through those moments that you will anticipate will lead you to really struggle. Whatever that might be in temptation and flaw and sin, maybe even immortal sin. And at the end of the day that we thank God, we recognize our faults, we beg his forgiveness through an act of contrition, which also predisposes us to go running to him in the sacrament of reconciliation, which is why to live a grace-filled life means to receive the graces from the church, which is where grace is, is distributed to us through the sacraments, receiving our Lord Jesus Christ worthily in the most holy sacrament of the Eucharist, receiving the grace and forgiveness of our Lord Jesus Christ and the sacrament of confession. These are fundamental. This is why there are sacraments of initiation that bring us into our faith. Sacraments of initiation, including communion, confirmation, and baptism. Of course, I listed those backward. But the sacraments are what help us to live. They are what make us live a graceful life that we are called to as women. And I think that to do this, I know for me, means I need constant reminders 
of our responsibility to worship because that's what a prayerful life is. That is what a contemplative life is. That is what our whole life is oriented toward. This is why Mary was full of grace. This is why Mary accomplished the mission of Eve, which was to subdue the earth by starting with subduing herself, by bringing herself into subjection under the creator of the universe. And I haven't even talked about the fact that the very beginning of sacred scripture, from our anthropological perspective on women, that Eve is created to be a helpmate to Adam. That's a whole nother topic. We'll unpack that. We'll have to unpack that next week on the show. We'll do a 2.0 to what it means to be a woman. But think about it. This is all done through worship. It's an act of worship, a self-sacrifice. The Old Testament is peppered with sacrifices, sacrifices that are not meritorious, that are acts of sacrificing fruits and bulls and bread and all of these things that we have. But the ultimate sacrifice is Jesus Christ on the altar who gives his body for us the perfect sacrifice. And this is why we are called to go to mass, to pray the mass, to make yourself the sacrifice of the mass. This is why the offertory where we put money in the basket and the bread and wine are presented at the altar. That is all meant to be a symbolism of we sacrificing ourselves in union with Christ that is made present yet again in the transubstantiation of the bread and wine that is in sacrifice given to us that we consume. This is the significance of the transubstantiation happening underneath the foot of the cross that is hung in our churches. And so how is this lived out? How are we reminded of this mission as women? It's done through prayer, but we need reminders to cultivate prayer within our lives, to cultivate that submission. Moments throughout the day where we pause to pray. That's why I love in part praying the Angelus. We're meant to pray it at six noon and six every single day. I know for me, I'm able to make that benchmark of noon every day. Do that. I have a timer set on my phone. It's a silent vibration on my phone that goes off at noon. And as soon as I catch it, I pause to pray the Angelus. Because those words of the greeting of the angel Gabriel to Our Lady, Hail Mary, full of grace. Again, that's not exactly what the Bible says. It says, Hail, full of grace. That's our mission to be lived out, to live a life of grace as Our Lady, the new Eve, to put ourselves in subjection to God, the Creator. So those moments of prayer throughout the day, morning, night, those capstones, the angelus, and other prayers and devotions that for you cultivate that submission to the will of God. But also for me, it's icons throughout my home. I have icons of Our Lady pretty much in every room. They're the focal point of Our Lady holding the Christ child. And not just as a mother, but as a woman, this reminds me of the mission of women. And I talked about this earlier in the perspective of potency, our potential to carry life. Not all women will carry life. That's why I hope you'll listen to the earlier part of the episode. You can listen to this episode at relevantradio.com forward slash trending or wherever you catch your podcasts. But those reminders throughout our home, and it might not be necessarily for you icons of our lady, but of other saints who have walked before us living grace-filled lives. And how in their story, in their sacrificial union to Christ, they give you that model of what it means to be a woman, which is what today's show is all about. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. What does it mean to be a woman? We've been unpacking that all hour. I'll come back and we're going to talk about beauty and joy. 
and how those are central to being a woman, but not necessarily from the perspective we tend to get wrong in the culture with regard to beauty and, quote, happiness. I'll be right back today on Trending. Listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Welcome back to Trending. This whole hour, the topic has been what does it mean to be a woman? We've been unpacking this from an anthropological perspective, which demands that we incorporate religion, hands down. If you missed it, uh, you can unpack this full episode. It's so important. Send this to a woman in your life, adult women, young women. We all need to hear this. What is our mission from Eve and how is it lived out in Our Lady? And I touch on practical hands-on things that we need to do as women to cultivate what it means to be a woman in our own lives, to live that out day to day. And it embodies virtue. I could go on talking about humility, gentleness, uh, kindness, all of these mission, all of these virtues that Our Lady embodies. But what I want to talk about right now are two things in particular, beauty and joy, because this is something that we need to understand in the right way. As women, we know that beauty is a major part of what we are wrapped up in as women. Uh, we can see this in the fact that every time we look, look in the mo- mirror, we're asking ourselves, am I beautiful? We spend a vast majority of our lives wondering if other people believe we're beautiful or not. And when I say other people, it means people known and unknown. Women throughout their entire lives desire the look and attention of others. And when they don't desire this, when there's that discomfort in having that attention from others, there's something deep down that's going on inside. And when we're depending on others to give us that validation for our self-worth, there's something wrong. But there is something good to be understood in that desire to be known as beautiful as women. Again, this is why we look in the mirror. This is why we want others to perceive us as beautiful, both strangers and those people we know, especially men, to confirm our beauty within us. From romantic relationships to fathers and at times even siblings, we desire to be known as beautiful. But ultimately, that beauty is not an exterior beauty. And I think this is where we get it wrong. The whole, I think, culture we live in has always pointed to the fact that women tend to turn their eyes toward beauty and appearance in terms of how they look. And sometimes we see the antithesis by rejecting uh, how we look. But that's because there's a wound, there's a brokenness within beauty. Uh, It's seen in cleanliness. It's seen in this desire, again, how we look, hair, makeup. It's seen in even how food is presented. It's seen in decor. But beauty ultimately is oriented toward not the exterior, but the interior. And that's where we get beauty wrong. What does it mean to be a woman? It means to understand why we have such a desire to be seen as beautiful toward by others. And the greatest beauty to be admired within ourselves is what Our Lady herself embodied. The angel Gabriel, when addressing her for the first time, didn't say, Hail Mary. The angel Gabriel said, Hail full of grace. That's the only time in all of sacred scripture the personal name is not used or a renaming isn't used, but where the name, the title is given to the woman. And that is Our Lady, full of grace. And we talked about what it meant to be full of grace. 
she was full of grace because of the beauty of her interior life. This is part of what's so significant about the apparitions of Our Lady through the course of history, especially the last couple hundred years. Over and over again, the visionaries who see Our Lady remark upon her beauty. She was radiating the interior beauty of grace within her, the life of God within her. We need to get right the perspective of beauty. And we do that by growing in an understanding of what the virtues are and how to live them out. A great place to start, and this is why I've done series on this, and we'll post a link to some of these series. I've done series on the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, because Our Lady was completely completely embraced, she embodies the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came down upon her. This is very significant that we understand what the virtues are, that we, in a practical way, seek to practice them, but realistically pray for them and then receive the grace through the sacraments of reconciliation and worthy reception of Holy Communion to be emboldened to live out those virtues, which are what true beauty is is in us. And I find that often the more beautiful our actions interior and exterior are, the more beautiful we are exteriorly and the more highly admired we are. There's nothing wrong with us as women constantly looking for that validation of beauty. That's why we look in the mirror. That's what we look for again, as I mentioned earlier, from others who are both known to us and unknown. But what we're looking for really is to see if people see what we want to see in ourselves. And that's the life of grace. And that's the mission of what it means to be a woman that we've been unpacking all hour, which is why I hope you'll listen to this episode via podcast, relevantradio.com forward slash trending or wherever you catch your podcast, because we've been building on this theme, answering the question, what does it mean to be a woman? The second perspective that I want to touch on here is not just beauty, but joy. It's interesting that in the Greek, that the word joy and the word grace are very similar to one another. You want to live a joy-filled life? Live a life of grace. This is why the greeting of the Archangel Gabriel to Our Lady is hail full of grace. Hail means to rejoice. And he's telling Our Lady to rejoice because she is the one who is full of grace. She is the graced one. She's been filled with the life of God within her before she even consents to being the mother of God. And so you want to be happy in life. Happiness is fleeting. What you need is joy. And joy is a virtue. It's one of the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit. And joy is to live in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is why, again, I said earlier, the words of St. Paul in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. You're listening to Trending with Tim Marie here on Relevant Radio. If you want to be happy, if you want to find beauty, if you want to find what the mission is, what it means to be a woman, you have to embrace your state in life with joy. This is what Our Lady did, and it was done by total submission to the will of God, to union with her creator as a creature created by him and made for him. Who has the blueprint for what it means to be as women? 
You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Uh, for those who are joining the Eucharistic procession outside of Dodger Stadium here in Southern California tomorrow, I know a lot of people are going and there's been a change of plans for those who are going. Just so you know, it's not starting at the cathedral, but it's actually starting with a procession from the cathedral, but it's starting right there from uh, the Dodger Stadium itself. Uh, and prayers for safety for all who are going in this prayer prayerful procession, Eucharistic procession. I know my mom will be there and a lot of other loved ones, and we'll be covering from the ground there. I'll have people here calling and sharing about the experience of what's happening there, why they've chosen, and people are flying across the country to take a stand against what Dodgers is doing in honoring a radical uh, anti-Catholic group there at Dodger Stadium that is, uh, quite frankly, scandalous and disgusting to even see what they do against our religion, but also in scandalizing children at what should be a family-friendly event there at Dodger Stadium. I'm amazed by the number of people who I'm hearing intend to go. Again, praying for safety, and we'll be sharing from on the ground there outside of Dodger Stadium a little bit of what's going on. People will be sharing with us. So if you're with us, and maybe you're at the prayer procession, Eucharistic procession tomorrow with Archbishop Strickland and others in front of Dodger Stadium. I'd love to hear from you. You can call into the show, 888-914-9149. Let me know if you're going. I'd love to hear from you. We can arrange with you as well to call in and share your experience. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. I had a question come in that I really wanted to answer. I heard a lot of people saying thank you for some of the motherhood topics uh, that we've been covering with how difficult it is to be moms in today's culture. And just look at what's happening outside of Dodger Stadium and what moms have to protect their children against and how moms are fighting for the faith of their children, sometimes without any support from others. And on that note, I was asked a question recently about incorporating the topic of of friendship into the conversation. I want to take this up a little bit more so tomorrow, but I'm hearing from a lot of women who are in the thick of being parents. Many women who are stay-at-home moms, others who aren't, but who are in the middle of parenting and seem to have lost touch with friendships, who are craving friendships, that is, who are craving mutual support in the mission of motherhood. I have some tips on how to make that happen, and I can actually just share for just a moment here how hard this was uh, for me, especially as a brand new mom when we moved across the country, living in a place where I really didn't know anyone, and it really took a lot of humility on my part to reach out and seek out new friendships and to be very straightforward and honest and saying, I know no one. I'm hungry for friendship. You are someone who I want to be friends with. Can you come over and bring your kids over uh, for tea or can we meet at a park? These are things that can and should be done. We are seeing an epidemic of loneliness. And even with people who are seemingly surrounded by others, moms who are surrounded by children, moms who have husbands, even in the thick of life, I think there can be pain and loneliness. So I want to address tomorrow here on Trending a little bit of that challenge of needing friendship, how to make those friendships. And again, we'll be covering and hearing from people live at Dodger Stadium from the Eucharistic procession around Dodger Stadium in the light of this honoring of an anti-Catholic group that is scandalizing our children. Pray for protection and answer the bishop's call tomorrow. Go to Mass on the Feast Day of the Sacred Heart and pray the litany of the most sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Friday, we are going to see the drama across the nation of the Dodgers inviting an anti-Catholic group to be honored there at Dodger Stadium during the game. In fact, Catholics from across the country, including bishops and religious, will be together in front of Dodger Stadium in a Eucharistic procession, a prayerful stand for the beauty of our faith and making reparation. We'll talk about that and hear live from Dodger Stadium. Join me Friday, 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio.